Hey there, everybody. Welcome back for season two of Careers Unfiltered. Me and Danae are both so excited for all of the awesome guests we have coming up this season. Starting off with Robin Williamson. Robin graduated from the U of R in 1998 with a degree in biochemistry before moving on to Harvard Medical School to complete a PhD in genetics. She's had an illustrious career working for organizations such as the American Journal of Human Genetics, Booz Allen Hamilton, and the University of Rochester Medical Center. In 2018, she returned to the Warner School of Education to get a master's in adolescent education and now works as a 7th grade science teacher at Gates Chile Middle School just outside of Rochester. Why did Robin make that change, and what can she bring with her from her, quote, high-powered positions to her classroom in Gates Chile? Find out the answers and more on our Season 2 opener of Careers Unfiltered. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Careers Unfiltered. I'm Bryce, and I'm here with my co-host, Danae. How are you doing today? I'm good, Bryce. Thank you so much for asking. Yeah, and we're so happy to have Robin Williamson with us today. Uh, Robin is a 7th grade science teacher at Gates Chile Middle School, a Rochester area school. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, so um, let's let's just jump right in. So you graduated from the U of R in 1998 with a bachelor's in biochemistry. Um, after that, what what where did you go immediately after graduating from the U of R? So after graduation, I went to graduate school to get my PhD. So I went to Harvard University. They have a biomedical and bio biological science program there. And I did some research for several years and completed my PhD in genetics. And at that point kind of decided I did not want to go on in research anymore. Um, and then after that, I was a journal editor for a genetics journal. So um, basically, I was the person who would read other people's research and judge whether it was something that we wanted to publish or not. And after about six years of that, I went to be a management consultant for uh, the company called Booz Allen Hamilton. Down in, they're headquartered down in Maryland, but it's an international company. And so they have um, many, many areas of work, but I was involved in consulting for the medical research branch of the Army. So I basically helped the Army uh, organize their medical research and their research portfolios. And then after that, <laughs> I worked for a personalized genetics company for a little while where basically I was part of a team that would put research together about what kind of genetic mutations and tumors meant, what, what they, if you had a certain mutation in a certain tumor, did that mean, what did that mean for prognosis, what did that mean for diagnosis, and what did that mean for treatment? Were there certain types of gene mutations that would respond better to certain types of medications and things like that? And then after that... I worked at the U of R, actually, at the Medical Center as a research project manager. And we basically there I was part of something that we used to call ourselves as research enablers or scientist enablers because I was the person who helped them stay on budget and stay on timelines and things like that. Um, and it was really great lab where they worked. They're working with stem cells for stem cell treatments. And then that kind of came to an end as I went back to school to be a teacher. 
Oh, wow. So to circle back a little bit, when you were in undergrad and you're considering what you were going to do once graduation came, was getting your PhD and then doing research, was that the plan? Um, I guess it sort of depends on when in undergrad you're asking about. When I started undergrad, I think I pretty much was part of the crew of well, I'm going to go to medical school and be a doctor. <laughs> that was okay. certainly, I don't, don't know if that's still the case here, but plenty of U of R freshmen were on that track. Um, and at some point during undergrad, actually, I, I, if I remember correctly, what happened was sometime during my sophomore year, I um, had a chemistry professor. His name was Jack Kampmeyer. I think he has fortunately since passed away, but he was someone who took an interest in what I was interested in. And he, I was trying to find out if I could work on campus somewhere over the summer. And he was able to secure some funding for me to work in a research lab over the summer um, after sophomore year. And because of that, you know, I hadn't even really understood that there was a, such a thing as a PhD and that you would go work in a research lab and then do something with that. I, you know, I didn't even know that was an option until then. But because I started that summer, then I worked in the lab all through junior year and all through senior year. And then so at, at some point I was like, OK, well, this is actually, a, I think, a better fit for me. And started applying for grad schools and thought about the research at that point. You, you've really lived many lives <laughs> yeah. um, in, in your career um, between research and then working at a journal and then management consulting, which when, when you look at your pedigree seems like kind of a, a, a left turn. So I, I would like to hear a bit about how um, after working in science for so long, you, you stepped into that role as a management consultant. Yeah, sure. And actually, it was more of a natural change than it sounds like, I think. Um, so what ended up happening was as the journal, the journal was a place that they move every five or six years because it's a society-run journal. And so they like to have different representation from their society. Um, and so they were moving to Baylor in Texas, and I wasn't going to go to Texas, and nor was I supposed to be going to Texas. And at that time, I had a friend who had worked in the lab where I had done my PhD. And she reached out and she said, you know, this company, I have a friend who works at Booz Allen Hamilton, and they're looking for scientists who can write. And she's like, I thought of you, and I thought maybe you'd be interested in it. So I contacted her friend, and we spoke about it. And the role was really, we had a whole team of scientists, actually, because our role was to work with this organization, this part of the Army that funded their research so we were part of, we worked with, the, our client was fundamentally the people who were in charge of giving out army dollars to labs that are going to build better helmets or identify better treatments for PTSD or you know, um, do better treatments for traumatic brain injury and things like that. And so you really needed to have the scientific background to be doing that. And then also then stepping back, as I had been working at the journal, I kind of liked the management of the team part of it. So that gave me the opportunity. So when I went to Booz Allen Hamilton, they paid for me to get my project management certification. They gave me the experience to run a team. They trained me. There was all sorts of development there to do that. Um, so being a scientist sort of got me in the door and on the projects that were relevant for the type of work that I wanted to do. But then they also gave me the, the management experience. Yeah, that, that really is so interesting that your career after having spent so many years working in the hard sciences, then, you know, using an experience within that realm as, as the deputy editor of this journal, that gives you the skills to kind of take that turn in your career. And so I think that's really interesting. And, and then after Booz Allen Hamilton, you moved on and worked at N, N of One, mm -hmm. correct? Yes. 
So I, I would love to hear a bit more about the research that you were doing there. You mentioned it a bit earlier. Yeah. So that was, it was really an interesting turn as far as I, so I've been in Booz Allen Hamilton that was down in Maryland, Rockville. I was living in Rockville, Maryland, their headquarters is in Herndon, Virginia, but they um, they don't have any branches up here, and I wanted to move back home at that point. My sister had had a baby, and I wanted to be part of his life. And, and so I moved up back up here, and um, I'm bringing this up because N of 1 is basically the, the three of the people that work there I had interacted with during grad school and through my life. Um, and, and I like to bring that up, especially when I'm talking to students, because um, I think sometimes they think about networking as this really sterile, um, forced Mm-hmm. activity. Whereas I like to bring up the fact that, you know, I got this job at N of one because I knew these people back when I worked in the lab, I got the job at Booz Allen because this girl that had worked in my lab knew a girl that lived down the street from her. And wow. that, that being friends with people counts as being networking. Right. And so, so I, I do like to bring up the fact that the jobs that I got were all because I knew somebody who knew somebody and that that's, that is what networking is. It's not necessarily the sterile cocktail hour where you're cold calling people and walking <laughs> up and shaking hands. But anyway, so at N of one, it was an opportunity that I could work for this company in Boston remotely. So I could be in Rochester, but I could work for the company remotely. Um, and what they what basically did is we didn't do any actual basic research. We dug through the research of others, so published work. And we were just constantly updating a database, which really took a team of people working full days every day to constantly be updating um, any research about any gene that might be mutated in tumors in cancer. And so whether it ranged from, okay, this, this gene has been identified to be mutated in this tumor, all the way up to because of this mutation, this type of tumor responds better to this drug. So there's a full range of, okay, we don't really know anything about it, but it's been found. If you have a patient who has this tumor and this mutation, we're going to actually recommend that you use this drug versus that drug. And so that's where the N of 1 comes from. It's because of a, it's a reference to the sample size of your population. So we have an N of 1. So it's very personalized. You have this mutation. We're going to reach out to this company who's going to tell us based on that, we're going to give you this drug. This is specific to you. So that was what they oh, did wow. there. Yeah, that's, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, that yeah. sounds so exciting and so so fascinating. Coming yeah. from someone like I don't have an extensive scientific background whatsoever, but I would love to hear a little bit about where your love of science comes from. Like, where have you always loved science? Like, even in like middle school? Yeah, I guess so. That's an interesting question. I never really <laughs> thought about it. I should probably know, especially now that I'm teaching middle school. I'm like, yeah. how do I promote this and other people? Um, yeah, I always, I definitely always liked, you know, I was one of those kids that took everything apart to put it back together again and, and okay. always wanted to know how things worked and was always dissecting worms and <laughs> disgusting <laughs> my mom and things like that. So I definitely always wanted to know how things work. And I think a lot of my interest in science um, in both biology and chemistry and in physics as well is kind of the mechanism behind things. And because of this, then this happens. And in, in genetics is a lot like that um, with understanding of because of this piece of DNA, you get this protein or, this, or you don't get this protein and that's a problem and things like that. And so, yeah, I guess it comes down to trying to figure out how things work. Yeah, that's that's really intriguing because many of our career decisions kind of come come from a place inside of us that we're we're really not sure what, where yeah. where that is, and it, it's interesting because your work kind of tries to answer that in a way th- through the lens of genetics, and and so it's quite 
interesting that your career took another turn (laughs) (laughs) after N of One, and then you you moved on to URMC. And now, after decades of work in academia, you turn to education, which which isn't isn't quite the same thing. So I'd I'd love to hear about what your motivations were and when you decided to make that change. Yeah, so I guess... um Really all, even starting in undergrad, I was always teaching. I was always a TA um, at the learning center. I was always a study group leader. And, and it was one of those things that, it's one of those things that when I'm doing it, you know, I could feel my body temperature is higher. My, I'm just invigorated a bit. You know, I definitely get all excited and revved up. Um, I taught all through grad school. Um, and so it's it was always something sort of that I did, but I never, if you had, even if you asked me 10 years ago, are you going to ever be a middle school teacher? I don't think I was ready to say that at that point. At the U of R, as I was finishing up, it was, I was working as a project manager there, which I will also note I got the job because I knew somebody. So the, That's awesome. the, the a childhood friend, she's an OBGYN at the Met Center. And so she knew the head of the lab. I had applied, but I hadn't heard back because they didn't have a project manager and they they didn't have someone to be responding to their to their job applications. You know, I hadn't heard back, and so she actually reached out to the, the the head of the lab and said, you know, I think you should interview this person. And I had a job like a week later. So again, important to have make good impressions on your friends. So yeah, during that time, I you know, I, again, I really liked the project management piece. I really like I really love spreadsheets. I really love making timelines and and Gantt charts and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, I had always enjoyed teaching. I my sister's been a teacher for twenty years. And I just was starting to feel like I needed more of a direct interactive impact on some people directly, Mm -hmm. (laughs) a direct impact directly. Um, So, um, you know, it was one of those things where she would come, she would be talking and she's a special ed teacher for third and fourth graders. And, you know, and she's taught a child to read. And I'm like, well, I made a great spreadsheet today. And, and which of course I was having a positive impact, but I really was interested in um, getting that feeling back of Mm -hmm. being energized. And so that was kind of, once I figured out how you could do it as an as a 40 plus year old person with my background, I was like, how do you, how do you get to be, how do you go to school to be a teacher? That again, another website that was more difficult to figure out than it should have been. But yeah. So then I became a teacher. That's amazing. I love hearing just, it's very clear that you're very passionate about that. And I think it's amazing that now you're able to kind of get out in front and you're working directly with these students and making that direct impact, which is so great. I'd love to hear about your transition. We love talking about transitions here, but (laughs) as Bryce had mentioned, like you've made a lot of different turns over the time of your career. And um, how was it like going back to school to get your master's of adolescence education at Warner? It was okay. Like I, as a first, I was a little, you know, it's been a while since I've been in school though. I would say I love being in school. You know, it's really one of those really, I, I say selfish times. I'm not sure if that's exactly the word that I'm looking for, but it's really all about me getting what I want out of it. So it's kind of a, really a time where I'm not focused on necessarily, at least in the beginning and once you're a student teaching and you know, mm-hmm. doing the whole teaching bit, but the first semester, I just remember being like, it's all, I can go into class. I get out of it what I put into it. And it's all very much I, you know, I really liked that piece of it. And, you know, I took some extra classes because I could, you know, like it's just a lot of fun. 
it was a small program. Like there were nine students going back to be, um, they were, it's a program for uh, people who already have a bachelor's. So certainly I was the oldest, but um, it was a full range of nine of us who had bachelor's and were going to get the master's to become middle school and high school teachers. And a, just a fantastic group of people. So it was really very fortunate to have a really supportive and bright and energetic and creative. I mean, these 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 people were just... You know, you go into, oh, let's let's think about how we're going to try to introduce this concept or whatever. And I'm sort of muddling my way through trying to get there. And they're like, oh, well, we can have popsicle sticks and have a debate. And this will be the pro and these will be the cons. And then they'll draw this. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was just really invigorating to be surrounded by that kind of excitement. So how long now have you have you been working as a teacher? I have been working for five weeks. Five weeks. <laughs> I am, yes. So... What what in in the past month or so has been like uh, along your expectations, and then what has surprised you about transitioning into the classroom? I think what I what what is what I expected, what I hope to expect, I guess I think um, that has seemed to be happening is that I have been able to connect with a lot of the kids. You know, most of the kids in just these five weeks already, you know, kids are staying with me during lunch and they're staying after school and they're asking questions and, you know, I'm able to introduce things in a way that they're interested and they want to come do some more of something. And, and, you know, that was really my hope that I thought that I could go in and be the type of person that was approachable and interesting to them, that they would be connected, that I could connect with them. So that has definitely been happening. Um, I think um, as far as unexpected. I, um, I had been, I had been student teaching and so I kind of had some experience with, and in fact, one of my student teachings was for eight weeks. And so I'm not actually at that threshold yet, but this being my own class is definitely, um, more, uh, involved with them than I, it wasn't sure at first, okay, after eight weeks of student teaching, I still never felt like they were my kids, um, because they weren't my kids. I was in someone else's classroom. So having my own classroom and being in my space and having my world there has been different, but it's certainly a lot of work. Like it's definitely compared to some of my more, if you know, quote unquote high powered jobs, it could really be all day, every day. I could think of nothing else and it's already been like, okay, I need to take a step back and stop thinking about how I'm going to teach them about volume and, and massing things and things like that. So yeah, and that's interesting. You mentioned your your quote high high powered jobs. <laughs> yeah. So fr- from those positions, what what has been transferable? Because this is a pretty different context for your skill set. Yeah, well, I, I think it's been interesting because as I was interviewing for the teaching jobs, I was also because I have um, my project management professional certification. My time you have to get do so many professional development units and take so many credits every three years or something that three years expired. And so it was time again to start watching videos and getting project management development credits. And so, you know, I was on the treadmill one day and I'm like, well, I'm going to watch some of those, but I was also prepping for interviews and whatever. And I thought, you know, there's actually more parallels here than you would think, because a lot of it, you know, like team management is all about building relationships with their team, making sure everyone feels valued and is able to contribute, communicating the goals of what you're trying to accomplish, um, you know, so much of that is actually pretty transferable to teaching, yes, to smaller people, but to the, the same sort of idea of having that respect and having um, the students feel like they're 
input is valued is part of one of the main things that they always teach you when you're trying to lead a team that you can't, you know, you're not just in there dictating what's happening, that they're supposed to have contributions as well, which of course is how you get to the better stuff. So, and then I think also like the, the actual management of timelines and, and plotting out how things are going to go, that's really uh, relatable to teaching as well. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Robin. I love being able to hear um, from the different alumni that we speak with that maybe they have a certain skill set here, but then through their journey, they're able to then transfer those skills over here into what they're doing now. And I think it's just incredible and speaks to the fact that it's possible. Like what you go to school for, it's not always going to be linear, your path after undergrad. And um, I'd love to hear what you would maybe tell someone who's approaching graduation in May and they're a little uncertain what they're going to do and where they're going to go. Like, What advice would you give them when they're facing these decisions? I think one of the first things I would say is that kind of what you're saying is you don't have to feel like it's for the rest of your life. You can give something a try. And that one of the things I often tell students when I am mentoring them is that you do have to do a good job, though, that you, you know, if you're going to try something, you know, one of the advantages I've had is because I have all these connections, I'm able to always find something else and do something else that I want to try. But I have those positive connections because when I was there, I did a good job. I went in and I said, OK, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to get out of this what I can. I'm going to put into this everything I've got and make sure that what comes out of this is is great. So even though in the end there are certain things I want, ah, I don't think I want to do this for the rest of my life. I want to try something else. But I didn't burn any bridges. I had all of those contacts and was able to take what I learned and move it forward. Um, so I think that's probably one of between those two things as far as, you know, give, definitely don't worry about it being for the rest of your life, but also know that if, even if you don't like it, it's, you need to do, you need to do a good job so that, that <laughs> then you can take from that what you want and move it forward to something else and that you can have those resources to help you move forward. Yeah. I think, I think that's really good advice. Um, because there are so many people who, especially at this university, who you touched on this earlier, you know, come in and they're like, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to go to medical school. And that's my path. Having an open mind and still going all in on on what you're doing, but having the ability, because you've done well and because you have made an honest effort and made those connections, that that opens up many paths that maybe when you first arrive at the university, you didn't know existed. Mm -hmm. Like for you, I'm learning about the opportunities with a PhD in research or, you know, for maybe a humanities student looking, you know, into uh, like uh, an administration role. I mean, I think that's, that's, that's really good advice. And on that note, I think we'll wrap it up. Thank you so much, Robin, for coming in today. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this has been great, Robin. And coming from a student who used to be that person that would go hang out with their teachers during lunch, (laughs) I have absolute faith that this is where you're meant to be and you're going to do great things. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. If you like what you're hearing, give us a rating on your podcast listening platform of choice, subscribe, and share us with your friends. Thank you so much, and see you next time on Careers Unfiltered.